<laughs> well, welcome. Good morning, everybody. We're so glad that you are here today. Did y'all have a good week? To get outside, enjoy the weather? You didn't fall for it, right? You knew this was coming, right? I work with a couple people that are new to Minnesota, and they're like, we did it. We made it through the winter. And I'm like, oh, you're new here. This is... <laughs> Not yet. So, you know, we got to just hold on. We'll get there. We'll get there. But we all knew this was coming, right? So we are so happy to have you here today. Um, we are going to be starting a new series here today at, at Homestead. Um, over the last few weeks in my family, we've been having a lot of discussions on a particular topic. And as we started talking about it, we thought, you know, this would be a really great thing for us to talk about as a church. And we're going to be talking about spiritual battles or spiritual warfare. Ooh. Yeah, good, all right, we're in, let's go, okay. And really, kind of, we were having a conversation um, on Sunday nights. We have dinner with my mom and my sister and brother-in-law and our family. And um, my brother-in-law, Rick, was talking to me about how God has just been stirring up this desire in him to study about spiritual warfare and spiritual battles. And he's really been spending a lot of time studying this and learning about it. And so we started this big discussion in our family. And we've uh, and then we started a group chat about it and been sharing podcasts. So it's like this weird family thing that we've been talking about a lot. But we had this discussion, and it really made me start to think. We we were talking about how you see spiritual um, opposition, you see spiritual things, you see manifestations of evil and things like that. When you go to other countries, has anybody ever gone on a missions trip and you're in another country and you see kind of like this really out in front of you spiritual battles happening, right? It's just very prevalent. It's not hidden. It's right there. You can see it. You know, you go to church services and there are people that have demonic things going on. You see that actively. And we were talking about, well, it can't be possible that the enemy isn't only active in other parts of the world because we don't typically see that here in this country, right? We don't see that typically out in the open. And we were talking about, is it possible that the enemy just isn't on the move here? Or is it possible that some reason here in our country, in our churches, in our cities, in our counties, he is much more cunning and much more quiet and much more subtle? Because we know the reality is he is actively on the move. He is present in our cities, in our country. And so we were talking about how important it is that we as the church become very aware of what he is doing and his schemes. Because I think because he's quiet, a lot of times us as the church, we become unaware. And then we're not engaged in spiritual battles and we're not fighting and we're not praying and we're not recognizing when something is not of God. And we're not able to call it out. And so that kind of started this whole conversation. And we wanted to be talking over the next few weeks about what some of the enemy's schemes are and how we as Christians can fight him. And so scripture makes it very clear that we do have a very real enemy that's trying to destroy our lives. Here's a few scriptures. 1 Peter 5.8 says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. He's around, he's looking, he's watching, looking for someone to devour. And in John 8, Jesus said, For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you lo love to do the evil things that he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. 
And Jesus also said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to only steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's really it there. That Jesus came so that our lives would be full and abundant and overflowing. And the enemy is in direct opposition to that because his plan is to kill, steal, and destroy. And so we have a very real enemy, and that is the devil. And his intent is to steal, kill, and destroy. And we see over and over in scriptures, we see him as the enemy of God, and therefore the enemy of the children and the people of God. And he utilizes all kinds of strategies and methods to try and accomplish his purpose to steal, kill, and destroy. And I think it's important that we study the insights that scripture gives us about what his strategies are and what his methods are because scripture also gives us our strategies and our methods and the things that we can do to stand against his attacks. In Ephesians 6.10, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at these strategies and tools that we have so that we can be better equipped to fight this battle. And today I want to talk about a specific strategy that the enemy uses to attack us and the instructions scripture gives us to defeat this tactic. And we're going to talk today about spiritual strongholds. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. And before we dive into it, I just want to take a moment and pray. So bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you so much that your word has everything we need for life and godliness. And I thank you, Lord, that you have given us strategies to know exactly what the devil is trying to do. You have not hidden that from us. You've given us insight into his plans, into what he does. And Lord, we want to be students of your word so that we know we can have our eyes open and we can be aware of how he is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. But Lord, I thank you also today that you have given us spiritual weapons. You have given us spiritual strategies. And Father, today we are asking you to open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts, help us to see what we've been missing so that we can appropriately apply our spiritual weapons to any situation we might be facing for the glory of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, I want to give one other disclaimer. I want to say that I recognize that this might be a strange topic. You might be here today, and this is your first time, and you're like, what in the world did I get myself into? So I understand um, that this might be a, a strange thing. There are people who are completely unconvinced that there is anything going on in an unseen spiritual realm, and I get that. But I, today, am going to just ask you to be open up, uh, open up your heart and your mind to what Scripture is telling us, because we can look around us. And we can see the fruit of evil in our world, right? There are times we shake our heads and go, how is it possible that anyone could ever behave like that? How could it be possible that anything like that could happen? We can see evil. And so it's not un unlikely that we could know it deep down in our spirits that there has got to be some force of evil in the world. We can also see supernatural things happen that we can't explain, both for the good and for the bad. 
We can see that. We can see things that we don't understand. So I don't want us to be blind that there is a very real battle that we are in every single day in the spiritual realm. However, there are also people that become so obsessed with this till they get to the point where we're seeing a de demon behind every corner. And sometimes we can o actually overemphasize the power of the enemy and we give him way too much credit. So, because the reality is, yes, we face an enemy, and he is crafty and cunning, but his power is so far beneath the power of Jesus Christ that it is laughable. And we are going to be aware of his schemes, but we are not going to be intimidated and fearful or give him too much credit, okay? So I'm hoping that we're going to find the balance of those two things as we talk about this over the next few weeks. So let's dive into 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I want to talk about a strategy of the enemy today in how he builds up strongholds in our minds that keep us believing lies. I'm going to stop for a second and raise my stand. Oh, so much better. I even have like 16-point font. I'm like, it's preaching font, but it still was too far away. Okay. So I want to talk about these strategies of the enemy today and how he builds up strongholds in our minds by having us believe lies. And I think that this particular strategy of the enemy is his weapon of choice right now. I think it's his weapon of choice. Never have we seen so many people struggling mentally. And of course, there are very real medical reasons for mental health struggles, and we are firm believers, firm believers in counseling and, medi and medication and physical health. But we also have to recognize that the enemy is absolutely wreaking havoc on our minds so that we are aware of our need to fight him spiritually. And this scripture is laying out this thing very strategically as to how the enemy is using lies to build up strongholds in our minds that keep us from knowing and understanding the truth of who God is and what he's done for us and the victory and freedom that we have over the strategies of the devil. So let's unpack this verse a little bit. Now, a few weeks ago, I taught a lesson on studying scripture, and I told you that when we read a verse, one or two verses, there's something really important. The first thing that we do is uh, that when we're interpreting the meaning of a scripture, it was three words. Does anybody remember what it was? Context, context, context. Good job. You guys get a gold star over there. Okay. Context, 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 meaning what's he talking about? What's he talking about before this and after this? So we look at the verse in context of the chapter. We looked at the chapter in context of the book and the book in the context of the Bible. So we don't just pull this verse out all on its own. We stop and go, okay, well, what is he talking about? How did he get to this point? And so it's a very interesting story that leads Paul to talk to us about this particular strategy of the devil. Because Paul is addressing a conflict 
within the church of Corinth. And it's a conflict that's actually been going on for a really long time. So he had heard about a whole bunch of stuff that was going on in the church in Corinth. He had heard about some of the things that were being taught there, some of the practices that were happening. And so as their spiritual leader, he decided to write a letter. So he wrote a letter confronting them on all these practices, all these things that were going on. That letter is 1 Corinthians in your Bible. So he sends them a letter challenging them on some of the things that they were doing, and it is not received well. They are not happy about this letter. They don't like what he has to say. And then on top of that, a bunch of false teachers come in when the people are a little ruffled under their feathers because of this letter he sent. And these false teachers come in and they start saying, you guys should not follow Paul. This guy is only out for himself. He's just trying to make a name for himself. He doesn't even care. They're questioning his role, questioning his authority. They're saying he doesn't speak on behalf of Christ. He's just out for his own fame and agenda. And they're now questioning Paul as their leader. And so Paul actually is like, whoa, okay. So he goes and he visits that church in Corinth. And he tries to talk to them. And he tries to have this understanding of like, no, this is why I sent this to you. I care about you. But scripture tells us that that went so badly that he was so publicly humiliated and that the leader who was opposing him spoke so harshly against him that Paul left in humiliation. It didn't get fixed. It was still this just terrible conflict. So then he writes another letter that was much harsher than 1 Corinthians. He writes even a harsher letter, which we don't have anymore. That one's lost. We don't have that anymore. But we know uh, that it was written, Paul references it in 2 Corinthians 2, sharing why he felt the need to send it. And this letter seems to get through to them. This letter kind of makes them wake up a little bit. And so now they're starting to kind of resolve this conflict a little bit where it gets back to Paul that they're not as angry at him anymore. And so he decides to send one more letter to kind of try and smooth everything over again. And that's 2 Corinthians. So that's the context of what we are talking about. So in the midst of this, after all of this has happened, this conflict, this really intense personal battle and struggle that's happening between all of these people, once Paul kind of starts to see a resolution of it and he's writing back to them to kind of try and smooth everything over, right in the middle of it, he stops and says, and let's remember this, our war is not against each other. Can we remember We cannot fight using human methods. We can't fight this like other people fight. This is a spiritual battle. This is the enemy who is trying to take me out, you out, and this church out. And let's not forget in the midst of very human conflict, let's not forget in the midst of very normal emotions that the enemy can come in and get in there deeper than we even realize and wreak havoc because his goal is to keep me out of apostleship and destroy your church. And so he's stopping to remind them what appears on the surface to be just a normal disagreement amongst people is so much deeper than that. Because we have an enemy that has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And you have to have your eyes open to that. He's trying to get them to see that all this weird anger and conflict and mistrust and mental anguish due to fractures and relationships is not just normal human conflict. But it is a strategy that the enemy is using to try and tear apart this church, this family, and the leadership of Paul. 
So he reminds them that although, yes, they need to talk through things relationally, they cannot miss the fact that the enemy is building up something inside of their minds that is causing them to believe lies about each other, lies about God, and it lies about themselves, and it is causing a war among them. Have you ever observed this happening? Have you ever seen this happen in your own life? Maybe it's a conflict and you just can't seem to get over it. Maybe it's with another person. And you keep trying to have a conversation where you feel like, surely just having a conversation about this will will be able to get to a reasonable understanding. And you feel like you hit a brick wall. Anybody ever had that happen to them? It's like, I'm trying. And it's like, they can't hear me. They can't see me. Or maybe it's a group of people and you're like, how can we be so far off? Or maybe it's even something within yourself. You're trying so hard to overcome something that you've been fighting or a struggle or addiction or a point of view or something that keeps jumping into your thoughts and you keep trying to like willpower it out. And all of a sudden you're like, what is this? This feels like it's a whole other level than just normal stuff. If we We've all experienced that. Maybe it's a pattern of thought that you keep having, and you're like, why will this not go away? I try and keep not going there, and I keep running into that wall every time. It just keeps coming back. Or even when we look at our world right now, there is absolutely a spirit of conflict and anger and accusation floating around. And let me say, it is past a normal difference of opinion, right? We are past that. We are simply now at war with each other all the time. And many times we're just going through these conflicts and we're just going, wow, it's just interesting how it seems like everyone's upset all the time and everyone's angry and everyone can't agree and and nobody's open to hearing another side of things, right? And yet today I want to talk to us about the fact that sometimes we have now stumbled upon a stronghold. And so if you are trying to talk it out with somebody and it seems like you're getting nowhere or you're trying to control what you think about and not think negatively by sheer willpower and it seems like it's impossible or you try and engage in a cultural battle with arguments and opinions and it seems like it just increases your frustration and other people's resistance, I would like to suggest that you have stumbled upon a spiritual stronghold, an area that feels like you just can't get a breakthrough. Those are the places that we have a spiritual stronghold. So let's just unpack that a little bit. What is a stronghold? I put some notes up here. This is the only time that this word is used in the New Testament, and it's a compound word of strong and place. So a stronghold is a strong place. It's a place where the enemy is hiding. He's protected, and he's entrenched. He's hidden behind strong defenses. It's a place where the enemy is not out in the open, right? Sometimes we can just see it. We're like, well, that's clearly evil. But a stronghold is where he's hidden behind something else. He's hiding there. He's not out in the open where he's easily exposed, but it's encased and defended and hidden. He's hard to see. It looks like normal conflict, but when you can't make any progress, when you can't overcome it, you might be encountering a place where the enemy is hidden and it's a stronghold. Dr. Tony Evans says this, strongholds are destructive patterns of thought that lead people astray and hold them hostage to sinful, harmful, and addictive behavior. 
This is accomplished by blocking the knowledge of God from penetrating the mind of the believer. And strongholds can be personal. It can be something in your own life. Or a stronghold can be societal. It can be long-standing evil protected and defended by general attitudes of a whole community. Lies that are universally accepted as truth would be a stronghold. So I want you to think of a stronghold like this. Envision a castle, and it has a wall around it, right? It keeps everything safe and hidden. The enemy can't get through. So a stronghold is a bunch of those big blocks that have been built up, those big rocks, those big stones that have been put together that has made a wall. And when the enemy has established a stronghold, he's, a wall has been built that he can hide behind. He's hiding behind it. And then he's just kind of sneaking out and having an attack because we can't see him there. And let me tell you this, this wall, this stronghold is built one brick at a time through the lies of the enemy. So let's say you have a thought about something, a thought about yourself, a thought about someone else, a thought about God. And it is an untrue thought. It is a lie from the pit of hell. It is not true. And this one thing comes. And maybe you entertain that thought for a while. You think about it. You meditate on it. You entertain it. One rock isn't going to build a stronghold. But then another one comes. Another lie comes, and you believe that one. And you entertain that one, and you meditate on that one, and you think about it. And then you build another one, and the enemy comes back with another one. And pretty soon, all those pieces start to make sense. Yes, now I get it. They're like this, and like this, and now I'm that. And pretty soon, one by one, you have built up a wall. And it is a wall of lies. And when you put all of them together, they have created a stronghold that the enemy can hide behind. One rock doesn't build a wall. One thought doesn't create a stronghold. But one lie that is meditated on, believed, entertained, is followed by another lie that's meditated on, believed, entertained. All these lies come together to create this fortress that now the enemy hides behind and he just keeps whispering. He just keeps whispering lies. And you can't see it outright because it seems like it all makes sense now. And yet, it is all spiritual strongholds. So I want to give you a very personal example. And Jeff is downstairs. He's Captain Canada today in Kids Church. So. But he knows I'm telling this story. Um, we went through a season in our marriage where this was happening in our marriage. We were in a season of conflict and we felt like we could not see each other. I couldn't, rem I couldn't see one good thing in him. And he couldn't see one good thing in me. And it was so bizarre. And we thought that it was like, this is weird. Like, you know, little, little things that have bothered us for a while were just feeling so overwhelming. And little conflicts never seemed to get resolved. And one thing built upon another thing. And it wasn't that there was a conflict. What happened is in my mind, I started telling myself a story. Well, he doesn't really care about you. And then he would do something, and I'd go, mm-hmm, yep. Yep, now I see it. Yep. And then something else would happen, and I'd go, uh-huh, there's another one. And all of those lies started to come together and started to build up this wall. And the same thing was happening for him. I'm trying really hard. It seems like nothing I do is ever enough for her. Lie. 
She's never going to be happy. I don't even know why I try, because she's always upset with me. Another one. And pretty soon, these walls had built up. But let me tell you, we did not recognize it as anything other than normal conflict. Yet we were hitting the wall. We couldn't make any progress. We were trying to use human methods of fighting it, counseling, talking through stuff, everything. And we felt like we could not get past each other. And we were both feeling incredibly hopeless. Like, are we in trouble? Like, I don't even remember why I like you. This is, a, this is a mess. What are we going to do? And I remember one morning I got up and I was downstairs and I was reading my Bible and I was praying and the Holy Spirit dropped into my heart. This is a spiritual attack. This is a spiritual battle. And you need to fight it spiritually. And I thought, oh my goodness. And I pulled up this verse and I remember this thing of lies, building on lies, building on lies, creating this wall so that you can't even see clearly. And Jeff came downstairs probably an hour later and he walked into my office and he said, the Lord just showed me upstairs this is spiritual. He had the exact same revelation, the exact same morning. And I was very grateful for that. So I'd have to go, you're the devil. I didn't say that, but... (laughs) We had the same moment. That was better. But it was like both of our eyes were all of a sudden opened. Hold on a second. If the enemy can take us out, he's going to take our family out. If he can take our family out, if he can, this, he's, this, he can take this church out. If he can, I'm not going to probably go become a drug dealer tomorrow. It's probably not going to happen. I'm probably not going to throw away my faith in Christ. But let me tell you, he will take me out if he can destroy my marriage. So it was a very strategic way for the enemy to attack our family. It was a very strategic way for him to attack me. And it was not outright. It wasn't anything huge. It was all in here. And the same thing was happening to him. And we had to both stop and say, okay, we're going to start praying about this. Okay, Lord, whatever is going on, whatever lies the enemy is whispering in our ears to make us believe about each other, right now we are asking you to give us truth. You are ask, we are asking you to help us tear down those walls. Let us be able to see the truth. And let us be, we began to pray and utilize our spiritual weapons to tear down those illegitimate thoughts and lies about each other, about our marriage, about what God was able to do. And it wasn't immediate because we both had to fight against those patterns of thought. But pretty soon, the fog lifted. Pretty soon, the fog lifted. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, there you are. I like him. I like this guy. And it was amazing to me just the shift in even how we approached each other once we prayed through those lies. So I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that, but it was a huge eye-opener for us that the enemy might not come. He's not setting our house on fire, but let me tell you, he is subtly getting in there and trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And we cannot be unaware of his schemes. So let me give you a few indicators that you might be dealing with a stronghold. If there's something in your life and you feel like, I'm hitting a wall with this, here are a few things that I have seen might indicate you're past just human-level conflict and you are now in the area of a stronghold. Hopelessness, that feeling of this is never going to change. I'm never going to change. I'm never going to get over this. This conflict's never going to get better. When you get to the point and you're like, God can't even fix this, you might be dealing with a stronghold. Accusation, 
is absolutely a tool of the enemy. He is called the accuser. Satan is called the accuser for a reason. And if you look at someone and you were only able to see accusation against them, then you have allowed the lies of the enemy to get in and convince you that something is true. Doubt. God can't help me. God isn't interested. God isn't showing up. I'm all alone. God isn't real. I can't trust him. Pride. I know better than others. I know better than God. I'm not changing that. I'm not doing that. It's all their fault. No humility to see things beyond yourself. You might be dealing with a stronghold. This is a huge one. Fear. One of the biggest ones I think we deal with right now in our world. This feeling that I'm not safe. That God is not watching over me. I cannot trust him to keep me safe. That lie Be afraid, be anxious, be worried. You're not safe. Be careful. Don't go there. God won't protect you. God can't protect you. Those lies have built up so much that the epidemic of anxiety and fear in our world is astronomical right now. And I fully believe this is a stronghold. Unforgiveness. When in your mind you're hearing, don't let it go, you'll let them off the hook, and they'll never pay for what they've done. That's a stronghold. A feeling of unworthiness, a diminished or critical view of yourself. Not just the normal stuff we all go through of like, yeah, I messed up some days, but this diminished view of who you are in Christ. This idea that you just feel so unworthy all the time. That is a stronghold of the enemy. It's a lie. It's a lie. And anger, feeling rage against another person or a group of people. Now, anger is not a sin. Jesus was angry. But when a stronghold of lies starts to come in and you find yourself waking up every day and your jaw is tight and you're so angry at a person, at the world, at something going on, you have allowed enough lies to build up that it has now created a stronghold. There are many more. This is just a list to get us started in some consistent patterns that I've seen. But what do we do with those strongholds? What do we do when we feel like it seems like the enemy's got a little bit of a handle here in this area? Well, that's where we go back to 2 Corinthians 10 because Paul gives us a very strategic plan as to what to do with them. He says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Well, first we have to realize that we absolutely have the power to tear down a stronghold. We don't have to be like, oh, no, woe is me, wring our hands. There's a stronghold there. No. We have absolute power to tear that down. It says that we have divine power to demolish strongholds, right? We can't use human weapons to do it, because, not because they're bad, but because they're ineffective. We have to fight spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. And so we have to use those spiritual weapons. So we begin to pray. We begin to pray in the spirit. We begin to engage those spiritual uh, weapons that God has given us. We begin to say, God, all right, I am calling this out, and I am asking now that your power would come and help me fight against this. Empower the spiritual weapons you have given me in my life. Paul tells us that these weapons have divine power. Now, I want to show you the Greek word here because I think it's going to help you get a visual image. The Greek word here is dunatos. 
Does it look like any of our English words to you? Dynamite. Okay, so that's a really great visual for me. If you've got this big wall built up, I'm just going to stick some dynamite in that, right? That's a really great way for me to think about, okay, this isn't, we're not talking about a little rock hammer that I'm slowly going to try and chisel that thing away. No, no, no. It's dynamite. The power of God against a stronghold, it's dynamite. We engage those spiritual weapons, we stick them in there, and we say, okay, God, blow this thing up. And let's see what you can do. So I want you to remember the power of God to tear down strongholds. It says that he demolishes them, knocks them down, raises them to the ground. So we, we demolish these strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of Christ. So what does that mean? What are these arguments and pretensions that we need to tear down? What are these lies that we have to tear down? Well, I pulled a bunch of words used in all various translations of the scripture to describe what these arguments and pretensions that we need to tear down in our minds are. These mental habits, these ways of thinking that we have to put the dynamite in to blow up, okay? And it's this, it's imaginations. Now this isn't like your imagination, like your creative imagination. This is imaginations like, you ever have a fight with somebody all by yourself? And you like, you know, like, and then they would say this, and then I would say that, and I would say that. You had anybody do that but me? I'm really good at that. I've beat you, a lot of you in an argument in my house, just alone. Or maybe it's just, you see somebody do something or whatever, and now you've assigned motive, you've assigned history, you've put all kinds of things, you've filled in all kinds of blanks. Imaginations, the things that we do that keep us thinking about those things. It says that you've got to blow that stuff up. You can't engage that kind of mental patterns because you will allow the enemy a stronghold. It says tear down imaginations, high things, sophisticated arguments. Some of you are really good at just rationalizing and argument and arguments in your mind. It says you got to get rid of that stuff. Theories and reasonings, defensiveness. Defensiveness, tear that down. Be willing to hear what other people are saying. Arrogance, pride, obstacles. This is an important one. Deceptive fantasies. I was praying about this this morning and this hit me differently even than it did yesterday. I was thinking about how destructive um, expectations can be. And I was looking at this list again this morning, and I was thinking about it in relationship to Jeff and I, how much expectations that were unrealistic played into that. Well, I thought you were going to do this. I thought you were going to do that. Yeah, he can't measure up to that. It was a deceptive fantasy of what I could expect from him. We got to tear that stuff down. It's not reality. And the enemy will use that to make you think someone is failing you when they're not. Human reasoning, speculations, arguments, these are the mental things we have to blow up. Why? Because they exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. They make us think that that reasoning is right and what God says is secondary. So when we tear them down, it allows room for the truth of God's word and the truth of who God is and the truth of what God is able to do to be above every other thing. These ideas and thought patterns begin to overtake the truth of who God is and what God does and what he says about us. 
So we start to believe the lie instead of believing the truth. So we demolish those patterns of thinking, and then we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. When we begin to recognize these strongholds, these patterns of thought, we can begin to tear down those arguments uh, and instead begin speaking and meditating on the truth. And then we'll see those strongholds begin to come down. And we do that by taking every thought captive. We don't let ourselves meditate on the lie. When it comes, because we can't help thoughts coming, right? And I, when I teach the kids this in kids' church, I say, you can either have a bowl or a sieve. If a thought comes in your mind, it can either sit in the bowl and you can just let it sit there, or it can be just like a strainer or a sieve where it just throws, goes right through. But when a lie comes from the enemy and we sit on it and we meditate on it and we think about it and then we connect it to another lie and another lie, that's when those strongholds are built. So we cannot do that. We have to take captive every thought. When a lie comes, we don't meditate on it. We are mentally aware of what we are thinking about and entertaining in our thoughts. So for Jeff and I, after we had this revelation that there was a stronghold in our marriage, we started praying I started praying specifically that God would make me aware of the lies when they popped into my head. And it took a while because entrenched ways of thinking come automatically. And if you've been doing it for a while, you might not even catch yourself. So I asked the Lord, Holy Spirit, make me absolutely quick. As soon as there is a lie, as soon as I'm entertaining a lie, let me recognize it and let me cast it aside. And I started by praying, make me hyper aware of my imaginations. Make me hyper aware of my arguments when I'm winning that fight in my head. Make me hyper aware of my pride when I'm not willing to admit where I'm wrong. Make me hyper aware of conclusions that I have come to based on lies. So we take every thought captive and we recognize every lie and then we replace it with the truth. One of my favorite theologians, Ray Stedman, says, Truth is the revelation of reality. It's the exposure to things as they really are. God, let me help see this thing as it really is. Help me to not believe the lies, not let the lies get in there with the truth, but let me see things as as they really are. And Jesus told us in John 8, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. When we expose the lie and then replace it with the truth, we can be free. So when we replace it with the truth, well, this can have many applications. First, it's the truth of God's word, right? Psalm 119 tells us that the word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's literally flipping on the light switch. And that's a great image for me. When we've been in the dark of all these lies, it's like God just says, let me just first turn on, turn on the light so we can all see clearly what's going on here. The truth of God's word will turn on a light in your circumstances. This is why it's so important to know the scriptures and to memorize the scriptures, not to just read it here and there, but it's inside of you so that when I'm having a moment when fear begins to overtake me and the enemy is building a stronghold of lies, telling you that you should be fearful, you can recognize the lie and say, hold on a second. That is not true. You know what's true? 
God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know what else is true? God is my shield and protection. There's not a second that he is not watching over me. In fact, scripture tells me he's before, he's behind me, he's surrounded me on all sides. There is zero reason for me to think that I am not protected. And guess what? Even if I do go through something hard, even if something comes to me, you know what else scripture tells me? When I go through the fire, I won't be burned. It tells me that when I walk through the water, I'm not going to drown. So those are all lies. And I refuse to believe the lie, and I replace it with the truth. And when we do that, the enemy gets no foothold. He tries to dangle fear in front of us, and we go, nice try. Nice try, but I know the truth. So I refuse to believe those lies. We have to have the truth of God's word. And then we ask God for a revelation of the truth about our circumstances and the truth about others. Now listen, sometimes people are just terrible. It's it's just the reality, right? But I will say most of the time, when we have big conflict, many times we can get fixated on certain negative things And pretty soon, we find ourselves really struggling to see anything but a negative view of a person. And sometimes, we just have to tear down those arguments, and we have to tear down those theories, and tear down those conclusions, and tear down those defenses, and ask the Lord to give us a clear picture of that person. Lord, let me see them how you see them. Give me a, a vision, God. I know they're not perfect. But give me a vision of how I can love them. This is what Paul was encountering with the Corinthians. He was like, come on, you guys. They're telling you all this stuff about me. Can I just tell you how for you I am? Can I tell you how much I love you? Even when I rebuked you, it was out of love that I didn't want you engaging in this sin that is going to harm you. Can you please understand who I really am? And the whole book of 2 Corinthians, he is reminding them of who he really is. And he is, he's, also, he's almost embarrassingly defending himself. He's like, I feel like a fool for saying all this, but let me tell you how great I am. It really is. He's trying to say, hey, can you please see me as I really am? Because these lies have entrenched themselves into the church, and now you're not even seeing my true intentions. For me, after I asked God to reveal the lies I was believing about Jeff, when I would encounter a lie, I would then replace them with truth. Now, this sounds really dumb, but I was very systematic about it when I would start to think something like, oh, he's the worst. When something would pop into my head, I would stop and go, okay, wait a minute. And I would start with the alphabet. I'd start with A. You know what? He always shows up for me. So this lie that he doesn't care, that's a lie. He always shows up. And then I would go, B, well, he's very bright. And C, he's very caring. D, he's uh, devoted to our family. E, he's exceptionally handsome. I don't know, <laughs> whatever. But I would, it wasn't enough for me to just go, oh, yeah, he's a good guy. I actually needed to systematically begin rebuilding my view. And so I literally would have to go through the alphabet. And I would probably only need to get to E or F before I would smile. I go, ah, that's who he really is. I know that's true. We've been married 25 years. He has proven himself over and over again. That's who he really is. And so I would have to do that. I would have to make myself focus on the truth of who Jeff was. Now, again, I'm not talking about denial because, believe me, sometimes he's a real pain in the butt. I'm not talking about denial. I know that that's real. 
And I'm not saying that we haven't done the hard work to work through some stuff. But what I am saying is until I tore down those systematic thoughts about him, there was not a chance we were going to work through anything. Because I couldn't see him. And he couldn't see me. And so we have to work through our conflict. And we have to work through all those things. But it only can come when we're in good relationship and we're really seeing each other for who we are. And then we can really work on our problems. So you might be experiencing this with your spouse or with your parent or with one of your kids where you're like, I cannot get through to them. They don't see me. I don't see them. It's just constant, like, how in the world? It's like we can't get through. Maybe it's with a friendship. Maybe it's with somebody in your life, and you just can't break through the walls between you. I want you to begin praying that God would help you demolish the strongholds that have built up those walls and begin to replace the lies with truth. Or maybe you're looking at an issue in society and it's absolutely eating you up inside and you find you're just kind of ticked off all the time and your mind is filled with sophisticated arguments and reasonings that are building up walls instead of tearing them down. Maybe it's time to try a new strategy and begin to fight spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. Because for a lot of Christians, we're just kind of good at lobbing grenades over the wall. And being like, don't you people see how ridiculous this is? Don't you people see this is a lie? Don't, how, can you, how can you believe this to be truth? Let me tell you, you can yell all you want. They cannot hear you. Because the enemy has built a stronghold. And the lie is now universally believed as truth. We have no business throwing a grenade until we've prayed. We have no business doing anything until we have spent the time on our knees saying, God, I recognize that the father of lies is convincing people of lies. And we as the people of God need to pray in the spirit and use our spiritual weapons to put dynamite in those walls, to break down walls. And then when someone comes to you and there's a crack in the wall, because God has been doing the work and they go, can you help me understand this? And you can speak truth in love, then you're gonna accomplish something. But so many of us are trying to just get the truth out there and they cannot hear us. And let me tell you, this week as I was studying this, I really felt like, you know what? We don't need to wring our hands about this, but I did get a little ticked off about it. I did get a little ticked off when I started opening my eyes and seeing how the enemy has been so subtle and so crafty and how he has infiltrated homes, lives, people's hearts and minds, our young people who are crippled with fear. We cannot fight spiritual battles with worldly weapons. And reasoning and understanding and arguments are all great. But they cannot defeat lies that have been built up by the enemy. We need spiritual weapons to tear down strongholds. And so all of us have to, first of all, begin to practice this in our own lives. Begin to recognize the lies that the enemy has been telling you. Recognize the place where there seems to be a wall built up, where you don't have understanding, where you can't seem to get through. And begin to engage your spiritual dynamite to get in there, blow up that wall, and then do the work of applying truth 
to those lies, to do the work of not entertaining imaginations, of tearing down those strongholds and not believing the lies that the enemy has told us. Amen. Will you join me in doing that? Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, I thank you so much that you have given us wisdom as to how to fight this battle. And Lord, we know that the enemy is cunning. He's sly. And especially in our homes and families and even in our own minds, he has been whispering behind the scenes, hidden. And for a lot of us, we just haven't recognized that he's there. And Father, I pray that today you would open our eyes wide open to his plans and schemes that we would have our eyes wide open to the places where he has been building up a wall, connecting lie to lie to lie. And it has caused a stronghold that feels impossible to get over. And Lord, if there's anyone in this place that knows exactly what stronghold they're facing right now, God, I pray, first of all, that you would give them the spiritual wisdom and insight to recognize it right now. That they would not feel hopeless, they would not feel overwhelmed, but God, right now they would just have recognition of it and the confidence that you have given us the power through the Spirit to demolish strongholds. And we ask, God, that you would tear it down in every person in this place, that you would begin to tear down walls, that you would replace the truth with lies, that you would teach us how to walk that out every single day. And Lord, collectively as the church of Jesus Christ, we are praying that we would be your people who are committed to tearing down the lies that the enemy is telling our world. We would be committed to praying down those strongholds. We would be committed to using our spiritual weapons to fight against the enemy. Lord, because that's what you've called us to do. So Father, we thank you that the powers, the weapons we have are mighty in Jesus' name. So help us to learn how to utilize them, how to use them, all for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said...